It's time to set aside the superficial. It's time to go deeper. It's time to engage in truth. Here's John Bornstein. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to Engage in Truth. This is John Bornstein. I'm a senior pastor of Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley Church right here in Colorado Springs, and I'm thrilled that you're tuning in again today. We are continuing in our study, in fact, wrapping up today one of our many discussion points on the radical teachings of Jesus Christ our Lord. We have been going through a number of the topics that are found at the Sermon on the Mount, specifically in verses 10 to 16 of Matthew chapter 5. We've been really focusing in on it as of late on the being persecuted for righteousness sake and all of this really are the thematic threads that are woven in this understanding of what it means to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ to take up our cross and follow him and so we've really been going through this over the past few weeks and months actually because this has taken us a great deal of time to understand the paradigm of discipleship and what it means to really lay up treasures in heaven and this is an important understanding especially as we come into the season that is now upon us where we are spending a great deal of time in grocery stores and shopping Uh, trying to find the perfect gift for somebody and getting really stressed out about trying to create the perfect Christmas environment that is really now stretched out into October and all the shopping that goes with that and trying to make accommodations for family and feeling a bit of the stress with all the inflated costs and everything that goes with this season, we can really lose sight of what it's all about. And I hope that you had a very special Thanksgiving with your family. You know, on last week's broadcast, we were trying to challenge you that this time of year, you are going to be easily saturated with so much noise that we will fail to keep our eyes on the prize of what it means to truly be a messenger of truth, a gospel truth giver, the the good news, the message of salvation that the Lord has declared for us to give to the world around us that is living in darkness. You are the the light bearer. You're the city on a hill that cannot be hidden as you bear the light of truth. And of all seasons, while you're right now, you're going to be surrounded perhaps with family members that are making uh, attempts to come out and see you, or you're making those uh, desired efforts to travel about all of these stresses. I want you to first and foremost be thinking about how can I bear the light of truth today? How can I live faithfully in service to Jesus Christ and and truly live the radical life that he has called us to that is totally in opposition to the way of flesh. And this, my my brothers and sisters, is how we lay up treasures in heaven. It's not going to be easy. You're going to feel like the black sheep at times where you're going to be the outcast, the one that family is even talking about behind your back. Uh, because they may even say words that are heart- hurtful and persecuting you in certain ways because you've taken a stand for Christ. And yes, even everything you say and do, even without words spoken, all you do is reflect the glory of God because all you want to talk about is, is the joy that fills your heart that Jesus Christ came incarnate that he bore the punishment of sin, and because of his life and his death and his resurrection, we have hope eternal. We have the promised salvation that comes, the, the resurrection of the dead, that the saints will be with Jesus Christ forever and ever. Why would you want to hide this message? Why would you not want to share that message? And yes, it will come with friction, and the Lord will bless you 
for doing so. And so we're going to talk about that today and what it means to be persecuted for righteousness sake. And certainly that can look very different from country to country. There are those who even just as they call themselves a Christian may even suffer affliction in the flesh, be killed or imprisoned for their faith. While here in these United States, we may find that maybe we lose out on a job opportunity, a promotion. Maybe we're persecuted by the name calling of friends and family or even isolated feeling alone at times like the prophets of old. So we're going to examine some of that here today. To help me do it, Dr. Steve Ford is back in the studio with me. Dr. Ford, always good to have you, my friend. Welcome back to Engage in Truth. Thank you, John. All I could think of as you were speaking is amen, amen, amen. <laughs> you know, this is, we're rejoicing as we head into this season. The God, as Nehemiah says, created the heavens, even the highest heavens, and all their starry host became incarnate, became one of them, became stepped into creation mm, to save us. To save us. It's absolutely, Amen. absolutely, absolutely incredible. And uh, one of our, my real verse for today um, was Luke ten twenty to rejoice that your name is written in heaven. Amen. And I think we need to remember that. I mean, when push comes to shove at the end of the day, that is our joy. We are imputed with the very righteousness of Jesus Christ because of his sacrifice on our behalf. And Amen. we need to rejoice and live lives. And like you've said, thankful, gratitude, working towards honoring and praising him. Amen. And and I think that it goes hand in glove here, as we'd expect, with his instruction to us, especially at the Sermon on the Mount, uh, that we last week talked about how all of these attributes wouldn't seem to draw persecution. Right. When, when you're living out that kind of life, why does it suddenly create a response from darkness antagonizing the light? The, the, this hatefulness toward the light when you're you're putting on the beatitudes and, and you're gentle in truth, loving, compassionate, service oriented, not working to attain salvation because that's what happens when you have a washing and renewing of the mind. Uh, you you serve because you love the Lord so much. There's fruit that comes out of that, and yet when we what we talked about last week is is if that's done with the label the banner of Jesus Christ our Lord upon us, the seal of the Holy Spirit indwelling within us, this is what draws the affliction. This is what draws that persecution out of darkness against us. And it's really what they're antagonizing and coming against is the Lord in us. Well, it's like you said earlier, we don't want to hide under the banner of Xmas. You know, right. this, uh, this is Christmas. We are here to, to worship his coming. We're here to, uh, to actually celebrate Advent. We want to make sure that we keep him at the center of everything that we do. That's right. And, and we know, we've talked about this on the air, that, uh, well, there's all the debate about, well, this was a pagan holiday that's been sanitized right. and so forth. And, and truth be told, when we look at history, we can see that it most likely was around September, October, possibly mm-hmm. of the Lord's birth. Some would say it could have been in the springtime. I, I err more on the side of the fall in, in alignment with those holy feasts of even the Feast of Tabernacles and seeing the timing of when the shepherds were out the fields and, right. and with their flock and the timing of when they were moving the herds and so forth. And the Migdal Idair of the, the the watchtower and when they would have been in that. And all those timings, we've talked about some of the sequencing of that. We probably will here before we get to Christmas. But what we look upon the time and the season now is that people have appreciated and think about the birth of Jesus Christ. So we seize that moment. Let's talk about Jesus Christ. 
in everything, even without words spoken, as we see to the instruction to the wife with the ungodly husband, that even without a word spoken, her countenance would would be arrayed as such that he would even hear the truth without the words. It would be seen in her. And the, that means there has to be joy on our faces. There's There's got to be a right paradigm that we're so fixated on him, it just shows in everything we say and do. And then this is the way of the disciple. And so let's go to Matthew chapter 5, verses 10 to 11. We'll kick off this study here today of the persecuted faithful one who's being persecuted for righteousness sake. So listen to this, verse 10, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Verse 11, blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Now, if you've been a Christian for any period of time, and maybe you're the only one in your family, this has probably happened a time or two. That The moment you start saying no to the immorality that you used to indulge, going out to all of the clubs and the things you used to do and the heavy drinking or whatever that might be, there, there probably was a sinful vice of some sort that you were turning away from, and the crowd that used to associate with you in that there is going to be a separation, and that happens when the when light is coming out of a dark place. You're being transformed by the washing and renewing of your mind. You've been sanctified. It is a sanctification process. You're going through the refiner's fire. You're starting to think differently, talk differently. You appear very different from where you used to be, and this might come then with affliction. Now, think about what he said here. It, it, it's when they revile and persecute you. And say all kinds of evil against you, we see how this is correlating with Exodus chapter 20, verse 16, where he says, you shall not but bear false witness against your neighbor. You are to keep your mouth shut in all things. Allow it to come. We try to go in the defensive mindset. We need not do that. This is the commendation that comes for standing for truth, because truth be told, they're, they're coming against Jesus Christ who's in you. So we're not to speak lies against those around us. Even if they're coming against us, don't get on the defensive posture. We're not to return evil with evil, according to Romans 12, 17. In fact, 1 Peter 3, 8 to 9 says, be tenderhearted, be courteous, not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. You're called to this. If they're attacking you for your faith, then let the attacks come. Brothers and sisters, you are doing your job. You are standing for truth in a culture of immorality and wickedness, and those who follow Christ are going to be reviled. Let's not pretend that it doesn't happen. Of course, it's going to happen. You're going to be persecuted. They're going to say all kinds of evil against you falsely. You may even receive some kind of new nickname or two, names of reproach, and they're fastened upon you for the generations that walk in faithfulness. All I can think of is I'm listening to you speak, and I agree 110% with everything, but I, just in my own life, I think of the times that I set that course and then I fail. Uh, because, <laughs> you right. know, I, I start down this road and it's like it's been said that, you know, the church is not a museum for saints, but a hospital for sinners. So even as, you know, I head down this road, I think that there are times where I'm going to fail. And of course, one of the big accusations we hear, one of the big turnoffs people will, will speak about in regards to Christianity is hypocrisy. Mm. And so sometimes, you know, so what happens 
if if I blow it and I do something right. like that, how do I rectify? What's my witness then? Is it then to apologize possibly to that person and say, you know what? I blew it. You know, Absolutely. This, is, this is my walk. Uh, this isn't what I believe. This isn't, you know, but I, I blew it in this case and I'm sorry. I think that was one of the greatest examples I've been able to do as a father that I'm so convicted when I fail that I immediately want to make the situation right. Right. I, I publicly go with to my children, to whomever I've done wrong, even if the reason for my response may have been seemingly justified. Right. We can do that. We can justify our sin all sure. day long. <laughs> but when we are willing to accept our fault in that situation and say, I am sorry, don't don't bring up their faults at all. Right. You simply just say, I responded poorly. I did not represent the Lord well in that. That will say a lot. It goes a long way yeah. about demonstrating the humility of, of a contrite heart that truly is grieved that you've hurt the heart of God yeah. ultimately even more so than the person you've offended, you That's know right. that you've hurt God's heart yeah. and they're the recipient as that you're a representative of Christ right. in that situation. So I'd say be quick as possible. Yeah. As the Lord tells us, when you bring your altar, right, uh, right. bring your gift to That's the altar, right. leave it, go and make amends. That's Deal exactly with that quickly because right. you're Jesus an ambassador said. for Christ. Represent him well in those things. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. You know, it's so easy to get into that. Well, you know, I was just responding to what you did. So it's really right. technically not my fault. <laughs> you know, I'm just sort of a victim of circumstance. And of course, especially as husband and wives, we can really start heading down that road. You know, right. I wouldn't have done A had you not done B because I was just minding my own business. Uh, but I mean, you give great, you know, actually, you know, parenting advice as well as marital advice there and in all of our relationships. You know, in, in Dr. Ford, we've talked about this, especially, and I, I bunny trail here for just a moment. We, we've talked about the power of people who pray together. Oh, a mean, couple that prays that. together, yep. stays together. Yep. Right? And, and, and the studies that have gone into that, I mean, we've worked with the University of Florida, University of Georgia, many others when, when that, when I, it was a, a little over a hundred folks were studied in this. And sure enough, the evidence was overwhelming that a couple that prayed together had a very different paradigm about their situation. Any uh, fighting, I don't want to say fighting, but disagreements sure. were easily uh, absolved, um, uh, subdued. They were, uh, you know, uh, there was a gentler response. Mm -hmm. um, they didn't last long durations of time. It's hard to stay angry at the person you're praying with yeah. and for. Right. And that's true then if we walk humbly like that, as we walk humbly with our God, then we will demonstrate that. So the more praying we do before the Lord, it'll prepare our heart for the friction that we will receive, even from those who know not the Lord, right. especially difficult customers, especially this time of year. Yes. I mean, we're, we're, you know, everybody's saying so Merry Christmas and then they're yeah. cutting you off in the parking right. lot and, you yeah. know, pushing you around in the, the <laughs> store and you're thinking, this is not the season <laughs> of cheer, right. but you can be that representative of Christ that whatever is being done to you, do not reciprocate. Do not reflect that back to them, but rather reflect the light. Yeah. Let them see that joy in you when you're being pushed around and things are miserable and people cutting you off in traffic and being mean to you. That seems to happen more now than at this time of year than ever. Sure. Uh, and it's it, granted, you know, let's let's just take a step back from it. People are stressed yeah. financially. Things are tough for folks out there. Be gentle, be tender, be, be grace givers because we've received the greatest right. gift of all of right. the grace of our God. But this is not something new. I, I, you know, I think about, I always go back to the history of things. And it's interesting when we look back at the Christians who've walked before us, the patriarchs, matriarchs of our faith, 
uh, even archaeology, just you find things in archaeology reports. It's just like, wow, look at that. What an evidence that there have been many before me who have suffered greater for the cause of Christ than I ever have. Yeah. And, and, and maybe by God's grace ever will suffer for him, sure. right? I mean, we would like to believe that that kind of persecution will never come here to these United States as it is going in other places around the world. Maybe it will, maybe it won't. Uh, but I need to be prepared always to give an answer for the hope that's in me and willing to lay down my life because I don't belong to me anymore. I've been bought with a price. I belong right. to him. But when we look to the archaeology of things. Let me draw your attention here to just a fascinating report that I found. The, the archaeologists in this particular instance were digging in the remains of a school during the Roman era, this was imperial pages in Rome found a picture dating from the third century. Okay, and it shows a little boy standing, his head raised, worshiping a figure on a cross, the figure that looks like a man. But the image here has been obstructed to make the image the head of a donkey. So they somebody defaced this picture to insult this little boy here who was worshiping this figure on a cross. And, and under it here, it says, scroll, scrolling down here, what you find is that the writing of the young person, there's words there, it says, Alexaminos worships his God. And it's nearby, the second inscription is, Alexaminos is faithful. So apparently this young man was a Christian. He was being mocked by schoolmates for his faithful witness. And they mocked Christ on the cross. And the boy was not ashamed. He was faithful. So they're not only making fun of him, but making fun of the figure on the cross, substituting the head with the donkey. And, and you think about that, we, we've dealt with perhaps, as I'm talking right now, we can perhaps visualize a past experience in our own lives where we were bullied, the subject of bullying, and we think, well, bullying's worse today than ever before. I, I don't think that's the case. I think sin has been sin since yeah. day one, and, and, and we have seen persecution even in schools since the third, fourth centuries. I mean, it's even prior to that, perhaps since the fall of the Garden of Eden, uh, we have seen wicked men do wicked things, and schools just seem to be a haven yeah. for such behaviors. And so here's a little boy taking a stand for Christ against all odds, against persecution. It's documented in the history books, and now today we can look back and see a faithful little boy taking a stand for Christ. And and that's what we're told to do. He says in Matthew five twelve, rejoice and be exceedingly glad. For great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So all of this is for righteousness' sake, verse 10, for my sake, verse 11. If for righteousness' sake, then it's for Christ's sake, for he is devoted to the work of true righteousness. So enemies of righteousness, i.e., are enemies of Christ, hmm. according to Matthew twelve thirty. So it, it, if the suffering, it, it is not the suffering. But it's the cause that makes the martyr, right? Those who suffer for righteousness sake are those who suffer because they will not sin against the Lord and they suffer for doing that which is to his good pleasure. Ultimately, that, that's what they're suffering for. It would be easy to recant your faith and just walk away from that. Now, the prophets of old were persecuted frequently ridiculed behind their back, mocked for taking a stand for the Lord, reviled, but they did not return in that reviling. They accepted that persecution as it was the faithful duty 
of them to do as a soldier for Jesus Christ. So at the source of this persecution, it's not you they're despising. It really is Christ and his righteousness that are maligned, hated, persecuted. You're simply the recipient of the hate toward Christ. You're like, oh, great. I didn't sign up for that. Well, actually, you did. (laughs) When you said that you were taking up the cross to follow him, when you took communion and and you were reminded of the body that was broken, the blood that was spilled, the, the greatest gift of Jesus incarnate for us all, you're aligning with Jesus Christ forever and ever. And you're taking a stand to walk the narrow way that is wrought with difficulty. And and we know that this is what's going to happen because it's for his sake. And persecution of itself does not bring blessing, but persecution for the cause of righteousness in Jesus Christ. This is what carries the great blessing because we can all be persecuted. I remember uh, the associate pastor at our church, Perry Rolfs, and I, we were in California going to a, a uh, it was a, a seminar, a gathering of pastors, and we're driving down Los Angeles freeways, and we're off on the side somewhere near Santa Monica at this point, and uh, I remember just people yelling at us in out of their windows because we didn't really know the area, maybe weren't turning fast enough or were obstructing their, you know, 30 seconds further up the road that they were planning <laughs> to be, and, uh, and they were just yelling, and it's like, well, that's not persecution for righteousness sake. That was persecution for being in Los Angeles, right? right? That, that was just persecution <laughs> because we're in a fallen world. Uh, we have to understand that when we're persecuted for the Lord's sake, when, when people say things falsely against us, when they attack our faith, when they come against the good things that we're doing, when we have the most sincere heart, and that, believe me, is, is difficult to continue to do. When you do good things and people revile you for it, it is hard to, to pull up your bootstraps again and say, I'm going to go into it again and, and push in deeper, grab the plowshare, continue to push forward, no matter the persecution that I'm receiving. It takes a fortitude and strength of the Holy Spirit to do that again, because our natural reaction will be to retreat. I don't want to do that again. I'm done with that. I mean, yeah. Jeremiah chapter 20 tells us that. But if we continue to stay the course, the Lord will be blessed. And as we're faithful like that, do we get more God? you know what i mean in the sense of our relationship with him uh i think you know definitely it's it's sanctifying but i think god blesses that with closer intimacy with him as we make those stands as we do those things those things are a reflection of our walk with him and i think god will definitely bless and that's really what we want as i'm I'm sitting here thinking you know as as how do all these things affect us and and those who have chosen christ and who haven't and and to to quote Shakespeare, when you look at the world without Christ, you know, life is a tale told by an idiot full of sound and fury, but signifying nothing. <laughs> I mean, honestly, without God, it doesn't mean anything. And right. the, the people that you're encountering who don't know Christ as Lord and Savior, that's their worldview. That's what you're encountering. That's, that's right. what all of us are encountering who love the Lord. And so it's we just need his help to be loving and empathetic. When those times come, because as you've said, they will come and adversity will come. And I love, again, let me read it once more. Matthew 5, 12, rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven. Great is your reward in heaven. I mean, to think that heaven itself is the greatest reward to be with the Lord forever and ever. But yet here he he wants us to, to understand that this is such a commendable act to suffering for his glorious purposes. And think about what he tells us in Exodus chapter 20, verse 17, we weren't to covet 
our neighbor's house, our neighbor's wife, the servants, their property, or anything in their estate. Because when you put this proper perspective in place, it's what can this world offer me at all anyway? So if you're suffering this kind of affliction for an eternal reward, stay the course. Yeah. Do not grow weary in doing good, but do it all for the glorious purpose of, of God, because ultimately we are recompensed, we're rewarded in heaven greatly. Yeah. I mean, I, to me, just to hear those words, well done, good yeah. and faithful servant. Yeah. I mean, what could That's be all the, I need? That, yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't need a crown. I don't need any of that. Right. <laughs> but to hear the Lord say that. Yeah, wow. That, that should drive us every day. So as we're going into the season that is wrought with some difficulty, uh, be ever faithful. And we're going to talk about that over the next few weeks as we just get ready for this Christmas season, talking about what it means to have a truly Merry Christmas as we put our eyes on the author, perfecter of our faith, that this is all about Jesus Christ. That's what we want you to hear, brothers and sisters. We want to encourage you, especially throughout this season of giving, this season of cheer, and the season of Merry Christmas. And I hope that's what you are hearing loud and clear. So we want to thank you for listening to Engage in Truth. And if you'd like to listen to this broadcast and more, go to calvaryfountain.com. This is a ministry of Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley Church. Services are 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. even on Christmas Day, and we'd love to see you there. God bless you, my friends. Take care.